Previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. We're going to talk sushi. We're going to talk Chinese food. Or can I, does it have to be a a single item of Chinese food? Oh, no, that's okay. I don't think so. Uh, so it would be Chinese food. And remember the great line from my favorite year, Jews know two things, suffering and where to find Chinese food. Yeah. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Littles. Oh, gotcha, Sully. Special surprise. Tiny Chuck is back. Back and better than ever. All right. Well, we were joking about this off air. We were like, okay, well, we had this big 100th episode planned. Yeah. And we still do. It's here. It's the 100th episode. It's the 100th episode. I can't believe we made it. I know. This is crazy. Snap. What are we doing? I don't know. We still don't know what we're doing. But Simon's in the middle of the Mediterranean on some ship somewhere. I don't know. Not sure where Ritz (laughs) is. So we decided this is actually symbolic. We're doing our 100th episode the way it all began. Yep. Just the three of us. So Chuck, thank you for being here, even though you still have not seen the Warriors, which is very upsetting. You did promise me cake, so that's the only reason. Well, yes, and we got cake. We got cake. We got cake. Uh, Thank you, Patrick Smith. We got cake. Yeah. That's all we're saying. For our 100th, we've got cake. Yep. And it's pretty freaking great. Yep. So (laughs) anyway, let's start off with making everyone feel a little old because we thought this was interesting how we were going to drop on Tuesday. And then obviously because of the big show, we don't. Right. And that's a pledge we made from day one. We know it doesn't affect their ratings, obviously, in any way, but it's just out of respect, out of respect for the big show, because without them, there would not be us, Loyal Littles, and this podcast, so we never do that, so it got altered. We had plans, yes, and it's okay, so we had a new date, and so I looked up some fun birthdays, Okay. so I thought, let's go here. How's this going to make us all feel? The Karate Kid, Ralph (laughs) Macchio, turns 59 today. Crow. <laughs> How's that sit with you, Chuck? Wow. Do you remember the first uh, time you saw Karate Kid? You must have I saw it. I don't remember on... the first time, but I, I mean, saw it I, on VHS I... probably from Blockbuster. I'll tell you what, it was now Roxy, I feel bad because you did not get to experience this. It was probably not now I was a little young to see Rocky, the original in the theaters, or Rocky Two. I okay. still haven't seen those. It's a whole Wait other a podcast. They're, They're violent. The Warriors, and she hasn't seen Rocky. Come on. <laughs> They're violent. Okay, well, but no, no, seriously. It was the first time that I experienced the theater audience reacting to a movie. Mm-hmm. Like the screams and the cheers when he kicks him at the end and yeah. wins the tournament. Yeah. The place went freaking nuts. Yeah. And it was just so oh, exciting. I'm sure. It was kind of like Rocky Four. And, you know, so the Rockies were the close to that, I guess I would say. But. I'll never forget Karate Kid when I saw it and the ending and it was just uh, so exciting to be in the theater at a movie and it was mm-hmm. just the first time I experienced that. So, Speaking Ra- of, Cobra Kai should be coming out yes. again soon, right? Yes, uh, January, I believe. Oh, January. January, well, I believe. Well, that's fairly soon. Yeah, not too far away. Excited for that. Roxy, Jeff Probes. Hey. Turns 58 today. Now, for all you who don't know, that is the host and of he's Survivor. everything now of Survivor. He's yeah. like the producer. He's like the director. I guess he yeah. does everything. But yeah. So he started that show and he was one. Because isn't there been like 58 Survivors? <laughs> no. There's 41, <laughs> Chuck. But, 41 they, but, but they do double seasons. So there's <laughs> yeah. two a season. So it's, okay. it's only been around for 20 yeah. some years. So yeah. it's all good. He's still. And he hasn't changed much. Yeah. Well, 
It's showing this year, I think. A little bit, a but little bit. I think that's the COVID year. Well, We're all sure. showing it. Well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> now, I do remember the first when the first season of Survivor came out, because I was on, let me see. Chuck, I was with you on that. Hello. Yeah, it was 2000 or 2001. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was Jekyll. <laughs> I watched that season. I don't know if I've seen them since. Jack, I don't think you don't remember know. much from that tour. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, no kidding. All right. Definitely lost quite a few brain cells that year. Ooh. Well, <laughs> Chuck, having you here for this 100th episode is fantastic. We really appreciate I, it. And uh, I should have got you a card or something. You should have. I mean, that snuck gift, up on me here. A, you know, it something. snuck up on 100. us, too, let's a cake. be honest. You could have gotten us cake. You could have gotten some pints of ice cream, ah, some man, chocolates, anything. <laughs> well... I mean, yeah. the, the possibilities were endless, and you failed. I'll put something in the mail. Yeah, as you always yeah, do. I'm sure it will get there. All right, we start off. Now, I love this. I think this Roxy came in, I'm going to say, 20 minutes after the last episode dropped. <laughs> wow. I mean, 20 minutes, and I was getting these comments. We'll yep. just leave them at that. Mm-hmm. And I quote, candy corn, no, no, no. <laughs> Come on. And that came in from Mitchell Klein. No, 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 no candy corn whatsoever. <laughs> now, Chuck, where do you fall on candy corn? I'm fine with it. You're fine? No problem. Yeah, it's, it's not so my go-to good. or anything, but right. it has its place. It's an iconic Halloween staple. Yes. Right. Okay. Thank Fair you. enough. So now I've got a quick question, though, to expand on this because there's been tons of knockoffs, and I'm okay with I'm like Chuck. I'm okay with it. It's not my go-to. However, all these, it's kind of like, I don't want to bring up the Oreo debate or anything like that, but all these different flavors of candy corn and all this stuff. But what about the Mm. different objects? Like you've seen it's the candy corn candy, but it's like in the shape of a pumpkin. Right. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, those are too much for me. Yeah, I don't like that. Just Mm -mm. classic, traditional candy corn. It's called candy corn for a reason. It's supposed to look like corn. So, and I like to... Eat color by color. Okay. I don't just pop it in my mouth. I eat color oh. by color. Oh, no, no, no. I, I have to have okay. like four or five in my mouth at the whole time. <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> not a word. She said? Chuck, not a word. All right. Next we have, we got into, I was talking about the electric company celebrating their 50th anniversary and we heard from Betsy Jaffe, right? We did. Rhymes with Taffy. Yes. She says... At the beginning of the episode, you reminisced about the electric company and questioned if the great Rita Moreno got her start on the show. The answer is no. She had already been in movies and on Broadway. In fact, she had already won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in West Side Story, a role originated on Broadway by Cheetah Rivera. She is also a rare EGOT, having won an Emmy, Grammy, Tony, and Oscar. I believe she has three Emmys. Wow. It was Morgan Freeman and actually mm-hmm. Bill Cosby. I know that's not a name we like to talk about much these days, yeah. but he was also on it. And yeah. I don't think any of them got their start from it. I really don't. No. I'm sure they were doing other stuff. But David Patton also wrote in and said, make sure you watch the reboot of One Day at a Time on Netflix. It's worth the price of admission just for Rita. Okay. <laughs> um, I did give that a shot. Yeah. As we know, I've talked about this many times when it comes to Broadway shows especially. Revivals do not sit well with me. And it's almost like I don't love remakes unless you're going to go with the original cast. I get what they were doing. Same kind of show, but different cast. And I do love her, though. She was great. I will say she was the one bright spot of that show. And I just I I don't know. I just don't love when they I'm just like make your own show. That's how I feel personally. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been great. Just like I say with the Wonder Years now. Right. Same thing. Wonder Years. Just it could have been its own. Doesn't even have to be called the Wonder Years. It's a great show. Well, because you even said it has nothing to do with. 
Well, really, it doesn't. No, it doesn't connect. Right. But it's the same flavor. It right. is the same. You know, there's a narrator. There's right. uh, the it's, same kind of yeah. growing up in the '60s kids problems mm-hmm. that you go through, and you know, he has that kind of yeah. Right. So it is similar, but again, I think it could have. It's so good. If the actors it, are so even good. If it had a different title, it would have been. Yeah, I think yeah. it could have just completely stood on its own. Now, yeah. Chuck, you're a Netflix guy. What is the one on Netflix you're watching? I'm finishing Squid Game. That's right, Squid Games. Now, how is that? Because we haven't really talked about that. I think, I mean, it's fantastic. I watched the first episode and was like, I can't watch this show. It's too disturbing. Right. <laughs> it was like, it's gory. It's like the whole concept. I was just like, can't do it. So I put it off for weeks and weeks and then it got super popular and everybody's like, oh, this is a great show. And so I finally went back and started watching the second episode and then the story actually kind of develops and there's some kind of humanistic elements in it that get thrown in, and it's very clever and, right. and kind of a kind of a neat neat story for sure. Cool. So next we heard from Jenny Robbins, I believe, right? Yes, she shared a tweet. It says Lego is always an adjective, so Lego bricks, Lego elements, Lego sets, etc. Never ever Legos. No plural. Yeah, I must have said that like the last episode yeah. somewhere. Now I know when I read the email that I think Mo wrote in about his Lego sets. Mm-hmm. I know I read it correctly, so I must have said it somewhere else. I didn't catch it. So that's a good catch Yeah. by Jenny. All right, and then... So you're saying, basically, like, if I asked you, Chuck, do you have any more Legos? I was supposed to say, do you have any more Lego bricks? Oh. Or pieces? Is pieces one? Pieces? Do you have any more Lego pieces? Like, it, like it's not... I guess. That's interesting. Yeah, because... No plur- so there's no plural of Lego. I guess. Wow. Now, this isn't like coming from leg me. Eye. And I didn't do any more deep <laughs> diving eye. on this. Leg eye. Yeah. We call it leg That's eye. That's it. Let's That's go with the that. word. Do you have right. any more leg eye? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Now, Chuck, buckle up for this one. Okay. This is, we're we're going to close out our first segment with this um, peanut butter talk. It's going to be quick. Okay. This has to be a joke. Okay. Lee Gordon. On the subject of peanut butter sandwiches with bacon. Let's pause there. Chuck, you a bacon and peanut butter sandwich guy? Absolutely. Now, you've tried it? Absolutely. Oh my God. I've tried many things with peanut butter. One of my favorites is tomato, but yes, t- bacon is, is a definitely a positive. No. Get no, some of that. No, no, no. Did you just say peanut butter with tomatoes? Yes. Peanut butter and tomato sandwich. Great sandwich. Wow. Okay. Well, let's get back to this one. <laughs> he says, <laughs> I like peanut butter, bacon, brown mustard, or green peppercorn mustard if you can get it. Cheese, and then he says, my preferences are extra sharp cheddar, Swiss provolone, or even cheese whiz in a pinch. (laughs) And a very thin slice of red onion. No honey, though. Now, wait. (laughs) Lee Gordon, I'm sorry. What? We love you, Santa, and all that. But what? (laughs) This has to be a joke. This was a joke provided for our 100th episode anniversary. (laughs) But Chuck, you're coming in a close second here. Tomatoes? (laughs) Yes, yeah, sliced tomato on so peanut butter sandwich. No, it's, a, it's fantastic. So no jelly though, just peanut butter. And no, sliced no, tomato. it's more of a savory. Though. It's not like a yeah, not a peanut butter jelly or. Now is the bread toasted or grilled? Well, you can if you want. Is there butter works. on the bread? Is there butter on the bread before the peanut butter? No, there's peanut butter. Okay. Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess yes, peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> nice. All right, Littles, don't go anywhere. We have so much more to get into for our special 100th episode. We are bringing back a five great minutes segment with a very special guest. You're not going to want to miss that. But before that, we are just thankful and honored 
all I can say is a year ago, I would have never dreamed this would be happening. So thankful beyond belief. Littles, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with, for our special 100th episode, another installment of Meet the Bigs. Hi, this is Tony Beeson, and I'm banging keys randomly while I listen to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Played in by Jason Udoff and the Hotness. Now, talk about going back to our roots. Jason was on our first ever episode with another song of his, and we're excited because he sent this one in. It's called No Such Thing, and it's recorded live from the bitter end here in New York City. Jason's the one that helped us get things off the ground with our trailer, and he was the movie guy voice way back when, almost a year ago. So we wanted to bring him back. We featured him on our very first episode, and now he's back for our 100th. If you like what you hear, you can reach Jason at Udiverse on Instagram and Twitter. That is at Y-U-D-O-V-E-R-S-E, Udiverse. That's Instagram and Twitter. So please give him a like and a follow over on those platforms. You can also find him on his website, jasonudoff.com. That is J-A-S-O-N-Y-U-D-O-F-F.com. And as always, we'll play the full song, No Such Thing, recorded live at the Bitter End in New York City at the end of the podcast. All right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the bigs. And we are so excited, Roxy. This is for our 100th show special episode. Yeah. Please welcome to the podcast, Tori Clark. Hey, Tori, how's it going? It is going great. I'm so honored to be the 100th show, but I'm really worried because as I've said to you guys, I'm a little big. I'm not a big, big. I'm a little big. Maybe on a good day, a medium big, but I'm a little worried. Well, we'll take little well, medium. We're big. really we happy that you're here. We're just, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I was quick. We have to give a quick shout out. Bob Walsh for putting us in touch with you. Yeah. Uh, Bob's he, the best. Yeah. He was the one that suggested, he was like, have you reached out to Tori yet? I bet she would love to come and meet the littles. And I was like, wow, really? And so anyway, so he got me your email address and you so graciously said you would come on and do this. So we, 
we really can't thank you enough. It's it's an honor to have you on the podcast. I am thrilled. One of the greatest things in my life is being part of the Tony Kornheiser family, mm. especially the little. So I'm thrilled and I'm honored and thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> what we normally do, and uh, we were just kind of chatting a little bit off air, and this is why we love doing this, is because obviously the littles, you know, we know you. You know, we hear you on the podcast all the time. We wish it was more recently, but we know that can't really happen. But why don't we take a second, take us back, tell us something a little about yourself, where you grew up, all that stuff, how you got started in your career, where you went to school, anything you want to share with the littles? Sure. So born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, youngest of five girls and four older sisters, all of whom were enormously talented academically, athletically, musically, mm-hmm. none of which I was, <laughs> none of which I was. Very different from them in many ways, including they were all small and petite and gorgeous, and I am big and tall and not. <laughs> yeah, I you know, grew up with a lot of insecurities about that whole scene, but loved growing up in Pittsburgh. And I think it comes up a lot on Tony's show. Grew up in Pittsburgh in the 70s and 80s. And if you were in Pittsburgh, or I'm sure any kind of you know middle America town in the 70s and 80s, it was really interesting because the steel industry, which is the heart and soul of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. was going belly up, mm. right? Yeah. Just going belly up and going belly up fast. And my dad was a doctor, kind of small family, small town family doctor. All of his patients were steel workers and coal miners, and they were out of work and they couldn't pay the bills. And it made sports really important to us. In mm. those, and this is a long winded way of getting to how I got connected with Tony. You know, the town was just failing and it was just fading before your eyes. And so the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh Pirates, a little less of the Penguins, it was an existential question, right? If mm. the sports teams did well, then we were okay. Yeah. And if they didn't do well, then we weren't okay. Because we had nothing else. Yeah. We had nothing else. And so I never pretend to be a sports expert. I'm not. I'm the furthest thing from. But I am the best amateur sports fan on Tony's show. Yeah. And that's because I lived, breathed, died. Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh Pirates. That was a, there were plenty of things that I remember growing up, including drinking way too much beer at an age way too young to be drinking too much beer. <laughs> Iron City, by the way. But that's my biggest recollection growing up. Hmm. And I still go back. I still have tons of friends there, those kinds of things. It's a remarkable town. But for lots of different reasons, I tried a thousand different things in terms of careers. And what got me to Washington, D.C., again, I'm going to connect this all to Tony's show. Don't worry. Sure. What got me to Washington, D.C. was when I was thinking about going to college, I really wanted to go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is not what most people from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania want to do. But that's what I wanted to do. And I really wanted to do it because it was a good school and it was 45 minutes away from a barn where I was working for this barn, they're professional horsemen. And that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a professional horse person. And I hold the world record for being waitlisted the most remarkable number of times at UNC Chapel Hill. Like 18 times they waitlisted me. And I finally kind of got the joke and like, they're not going to let me in. And my dad, God bless him, was a doctor. And he said, and he knew I loved animals. I loved horses. He knew I was just tragic. And he said, well, why don't you become a vet? Because then you can Mm -hmm. hang out with horses. And that's a good idea. And NC State, which I think most of the littles know this, it's not exactly the same as UNC Chapel Hill, academically speaking. NC State had a vet college. Oh. Uh, and I thought, okay, perfect. I'll do that. And so, I, shockingly, I got into NC State. And I go to NC State, and I'm, gonna, I'm a pre-vet major. And this is it. I've got everything figured out. Go to vet school, become a vet, spend the rest of my life with horses, doing all this horse stuff. This is great. 
And you're a pre-vet major. The first semester, you take organic chemistry. It's standard. Okay, you're laughing. I hear you laughing. <laughs> well, I'll explain later. Well, I was an education major, but I understand because of child psychology. What? what, what? No, go ahead. Thank Sorry. you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we, we could take this in so many different yeah. directions, including my four incredibly academically gifted sisters never tried to get into the medical profession. So I took organic chemistry and I got a C. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the semester, I thought, eh, you know, I didn't work that hard. I partied too much. I was going to this place called Southern Pines too much. And I said, I will work harder. I'll get a tutor and I'll take organic chemistry again. So I worked harder. I got a tutor. I got a D. No. Yes. I'm sorry. Thank I mean you. laugh. What? It's this funny one. now. It's funny now. Your organic chemistry was my educational psychology. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. And to his credit, my tutor would not accept payment. He said, he just looked to me and he says, Tori, I think this is a sign. And I said, I think you're right. I think this is a sign. And so I may have told the story on Tony's show. So veterinary medicine was not in my future. And I'm hanging at NC State and I'm partying too much. And one night, it was one night, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm at a bar in Pinehurst, North Carolina called the White Rabbit. And I promise you, for people listening to your podcast, I will get this back to Tony. That's okay. We're here to meet you. We want to know about you. So that's okay. I'm at a bar called the White Rabbit in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And I'm sitting there next to my friend, Georgia. And the guys we had come with were dancing to the Rolling Stones. And she and I are just sitting there going, oh, my God, we're here at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I lifted up my head from the bar and I looked at her. And I said, I have to get out of North Carolina or I'm going to die. (laughs) And so that's what there's a huge gap in my memory, which happens when you drink too much. But that's what got me to Washington, D.C. And I decided to transfer. I didn't want to stay at NC State anymore. So I transferred to GW, to George Washington University, which was probably the only school that would take me. And that's how I ended up in Washington. And for reasons I can't really explain, I decided to become a journalism major, which is a stupid choice. (laughs) And as part of the journalism major, I got a job at a great place called the Washington Star, which is no longer, newspaper, which is no longer. And that's how I kind of got into the whole media thing. And then the media thing turned into working for political people. So George Bush, 41, when he was vice president, and John mm. McCain on the Hill and those kinds of things. And you guys know Washington, D.C. You know, you hang out long enough. Everybody knows everybody and you know everybody. And I was always a huge fan of this guy named Tony Kornheiser, who at the time was writing for The Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And I would read him religiously and go, this guy is a brilliant writer. And I read him religiously and I was addicted to him. And when he started the radio shows, I would find excuses because that's when it was radio and you had to listen to it live. Mm -hmm. There was no streaming. There were no podcasts. I would find excuses to get in my car and drive around (laughs) whatever time he was on and listen to this guy. And so I was a huge fan. And then there was a guy at, um, I think he was a WTOP, a guy named David Bird, big radio guy in Washington, D.C., who called me up one day and goes, hey, I'm producing this show for this guy, Tony Kornheiser. I said, oh, my God, I love that show. He goes, look, we're like short. We need a woman to sit in a chair for a show. One of these days, can you come in? And I said, sure, of course. And I came in, and that's what started it. And that must have been, oh, my gosh, you guys, that must have been 15, 20 years ago. Wow. But I started, I just got a chance to sit in the chair, absolutely adored him. I am in awe of his talents and his dedication and his professionalism. And it's just a privilege to be in his space at all. But that's yeah. how it started a thousand years ago. Wow. So he didn't really know you? No, not at all. Not at all. 
And he just said, come on in. That's amazing. You know, honestly, I don't think he knew. I don't think David Berg told him. I think David Berg just said, hey, we're going to have some people here, these kinds of things. So David Berg had gone into some other stuff. And, and I had been, you know, calling in on different topics and this and that. I think that's when they considered, you know, before they knew me, they thought I was a political expert. And then they mm. caught on and said, oh, she doesn't know that crap, right? <laughs> but anyways, one of Tony's producers, Mark Stern, called me up one day and he said, oh, it was some turncoat from Bush 43 who had written one of these tell-all books, right? That all these idiots in yeah. Washington write. Yeah. And the producer, engineer, whatever you call them, Mark Stern called me up and goes, hey, Tony wants you to, was wondering if you could call in tomorrow because he wants to talk about this. And he, you know, he doesn't really care about the book per se, but he's more interested in these people who serve in these administrations and serve these people and take the taxpayer money and then turn on them. <laughs> and I said, God, I would love to help you out because I hate that guy and I hate that book and I agree with you completely. I said, but tomorrow morning from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. or whatever, I'm going to be on a bus chaperoning my then third grade son on a field trip to Williamsburg. So I'm sorry. I'd love to do it, but I can't. Mm. And Mark said, completely understand. Click. Call you next time. Mark calls me back 20 minutes later and he goes, Tony thinks it'd be great if you call from the bus. (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay. So we lined up. It's 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, and I'm on a bus with a bunch of screaming third graders, <laughs> and I'm literally on the floor of the bus underneath the seat trying to hear, because I couldn't hear on the cell phone, but that's when I think I fell in love with Tony Corn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. So accommodating. <laughs> so accommodating. <laughs> that's amazing. And then you, from then on, you just became a regular? Well, you know, there's the chick seat. I can say yeah. that yeah. on this Yes, there's the chick seat. And it's yeah. I am honored to be in the chick seat with Gene McManus, yeah. with Liz Clark, occasionally Anne Hornaday. I mean, remarkable group of people. I was yeah. honored to hold the chick seat. So, yeah, and it became a more regular thing. And we've been in a couple different stations. We used to go up to Rockville. Then before the pandemic over at MAL, which is 30 seconds from my house. That one always mm-hmm. made me really happy. It's funny. I was just talking to Gene McManus the other day. And we were talking about this. Again, I'm in the tank, right? I'm in the tank for some people. I'm in the tank for Tony Kornheiser because I just think he's such a talent. And it really was an honor to be a part of that. If you really understand your role in filling one of those seats, right, whether mm-hmm. it's the chick seat or the sports seat or whatever, and I'm talking pre-pandemic because it's changed obviously since then, sure. yeah. your role was to reflect the glory, right? Mm-hmm. It's not your role to be the star. It's your role yep. to make sure people can really appreciate and absorb and consume the talent that he is. So I, I just, I loved it. Wow. I continue to love it. Yeah. Oh, well, That's so cool. We love having you there. <laughs> and I know you're so sorely missed. Now take us through your fandom, your sports fandom. Now you, you grew up in Pittsburgh, but we yeah, know where Pittsburgh. you are now. So how did that, all that break uh, down? <laughs> okay. So we need to stop this taping and start again with a psychiatrist on board. <laughs> To explain all of this, right? I did take some psychology in college, so maybe I can help. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. But did you flunk? I think you did as well in that as I did in Yeah, in, all right. Uh, so full disclosure, chemistry. it's the only yeah. class I failed in college. I failed it, and Get I had to retake it. No. Psych- here, psychology is the easiest thing in the world to pass. Well, let me tell you, I failed it my first time. Educational psychology. All the other ones, uh, I forget what the other one, child psychology I did mm-hmm. find. All the mm-hmm. other psych classes I did find. But the educational psychology... Failed it my first time. Now, I think that's kind of where I was. It was my sophomore year in college. I was living in a house, not... Yeah. Sure. Anyway, yeah, you know oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. But anyway, yeah. so you better believe that second time, I mean, I walked back into that class and I had the same professor, of course. 
And he actually was one of these guys that failed out of college. And that's why he became a teacher because mm -hmm. he wanted to figure out why he was, fa you know, that one of those guys. Wow. Yeah. And so, but you better believe I was over there in his office two, three times a week getting extra help because I had to, I had to pass this class. There wow. was no, otherwise I wasn't going to get my music. I was music education. I had to get this degree. And then of course I never used it a day in my life, unfortunately, but, uh, but you got it. I got, got it. it. Damn it. Damn it. That's right. <laughs> So, uh, well, I do say I use it because there's all these, you know, classroom management classes right. and things like that. And I'm a director, choreographer, stuff like that. So I, that applies, but not, I've never been in a it's not like the high forefront. school teaching. Mm -hmm. I've never been Mr. Holland's opus, you know, right. I've never been Mr. Holland, you know, so. Nor <laughs> would you want to be. Yeah. So, okay. all right. So let's go. So anyway, okay. so I come with my Pittsburgh DNA and Washington was, uh, you know, I, the eighties, we used to call them the Redskins. Pretty yeah. interesting team. Those kind of things. And so I never lost my Pittsburgh loyalties, ever, 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 ever. I never will. Oh, you just you. don't. It's in your blood. You, you bleed black and gold, as they say. You never do. But I wasn't part of the official Tony Kornheiser Washington Post bandwagon back then. But I liked the Washington Redskins. And that's what they were called back then, mm -hmm. the Washington Redskins. That was a fun team. I bemoaned the fact that there was no baseball team. I hated that. Mm -hmm. Hated that. Hated that. And I was a fan of the Bullets and then the Wizards. And so, again, amateur sports fan. But I was into it. And I think that's one of the reasons I was able to kind of morph into the Tony Kornheiser world. Not that I pretended to be the sports expert. I never did. But I was a good take on what's the average person care about these things. Got very deep into the, the Redskins, as they were called then, for a long time. Was one of those idiots for years and years and years and years and years when we were trying to get a baseball team in Washington. I was one of those idiots that would put my name on the list for if and when we have a baseball team in Washington, would you like season tickets? And I would type in, of course, right here. <laughs> and here's my credit card number. Take it away. Right. And then, and my husband was always making fun of me going, never. They're never getting a baseball team. And then one day I got this note from somebody that said, oh, we're getting a baseball team. And by the way, we just charged you for 165 games. Or whatever. Oh, my gosh. I was shocked. I was actually shocked. I had no idea how many games there were in a season. So always engaged just enough. Yeah. But today, I mean, you root for the D.C. teams, right? Other than the Washington football team, yes. Root for the um, Wizards, root for the Mystics, love them. Soccer teams, love them. Absolutely all in on the Caps. And maybe this was an easy transition, but for years, we have three kids. They're now upper upper 20s. And I pause. You can say, I can't believe you're old enough to have three children. <laughs> Well, that's where I was going. I just didn't want to, you know. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anyways, I tried for a long time to make them Pittsburgh fans. And they're kind of Pittsburgh football fans. But I failed on the hockey front. Hmm. And I'm not really sure how or why it happened. But about, I'd say close to 10 years ago, our family just went all in on the Caps. And that's it. We are hmm. all in on the Caps. Season tickets. There are at least, I'm not exaggerating, upstairs in my house right now, in the closets, there are probably... Oh, 40 different Caps jerseys. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with the new people coming along in the team, this guy, LaPierre, who played the other night, last night, unbelievable. There will be more. So we went all in. And you guys, it's the greatest thing when your entire family loves something. Yeah. Mm. So we've oh got three kids and we love them all. And it's so great that all five of us love the same thing and we love doing it together and we go to every home game that we can. And we went to playoff games. We went to Stanley cup games. It's great. It's wow. absolutely great. You know, I had like an exorcism to get the black and gold out of me from the penguins. 
Uh-huh. And to say, I really don't like Mario Lemieux, but once I did, it's pretty great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, so I then have to ask. Everyone on the podcast knows how Roxy and I are not the biggest of hockey fans. We've never been to Nobody a... in the Tony Kornheiser world is other than me. Right. Okay. Well, I'm still hesitating because I don't want to embarrass myself. But if the Pens ever played the Capitals, who would you be pulling for? I was about to no. say in the Stanley Cup. Is that even possible? Okay. It's a great question. And the answer is I would pull for the Caps. Okay. okay. I, will, I used to have divided loyalties. And then it comes down to blood versus whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And trust me, there are friends of mine. I am so very good friends with a ton of people from high school, et cetera, back home. And they cannot believe it. Right. They can't believe that I went over to the dark side, as they right. call it. Well, but yeah. you have such a special reason yeah, and I connection mean, yeah, because I mean, you, of your family. Yeah. And that I mean, that alone is enough to yeah. make anybody. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I would become a Yankees fan for <laughs> for that. But you never know. I don't have no, my own no, family. No, I have no, my husband, you know, and that's happen. it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all in the Caps, so a recent game with the Caps makes me realize one of the reasons we all love hockey, and that is it's not, we get it, right? It's not at the level of the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. But one of the reasons you love it is when the Caps had their opener, for instance, Ovi Ovechkin, mm-hmm. after whom our rescue dog is named, <laughs> scores a goal that puts him ahead of the fifth all-time scorers in NHL history. Right. Incredible moment, right? Yeah. And the Caps had, and by the way, one thing that I've learned from the Littles, thank you, is I say the word right too often, so I'm trying. <laughs> said. Secondly, they brought up, the Caps brought up a 19-year-old from Canada. He's not old enough to play in the essentially minor league of hockey, but you could pull him up. He plays in his first ever NHL game, and he scores a goal, oh. which is great. But what everyone is most excited about is his first game in the NHL, his mother, his father, his grandparents, his sister, his brother, his girlfriend, all come to watch him play and oh. got to see him score. Oh, wow. And then you see LaViolette, the, the coach, is now, because of the win against the Rangers in that game, is now the winningest American hockey coach ever. And one of the greatest things about hockey is they will beat the crap out of each other on the ice. Oh, yeah. But they support one another. They are fans of one another. They are fans of accomplishment. It's a different kind of sport, and I realize mm. it's not without its faults. But compared to what you see in a lot of other professional sports these days, there's a lack of cynicism. There's an appreciation for effort that I really love. Mm. Love, love it. Interesting. All right. Well, and actually, I have a quick question about that. Uh, it's going to be a follow-up, but we're going to take a quick break. If that's okay, you can come back, please. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> all right. All you loyal littles, we'll be right back. Hi. This is Bob Sproul from Pittsburgh, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network, your best bet in podcast entertainment. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and we are just flabbergasted, so lucky. We are here with Tori Clark. Tori freaking Clark's here. We're so excited. I'm very excited to be here. This is great. I wish I could see everybody in person. Oh, I know. I know. That'd be so great. That'd be nice. We're trying to get there. We have a friend of ours who co-hosts, I guess, third chair, I guess we would call it, 
uh, a lot and he's British because, you know, every good podcast needs a Brit, right? I mean, that's of course. Yeah, exactly. And he lives across the street actually yeah. from us. He actually helped us find this apartment. Yep. And so we've, we're trying to get it so he can come over and we can just all sit here and just do it together. We've done it once. Hi. We call uh, it cool Aunt Claire's table. Yeah. That's- <laughs> nice. I was going to say, it's just like Uncle Benny's table, yes. only probably better. Yeah. yeah. So we did it because Claire was such a huge help getting this podcast off yeah. the ground and just with advice, basically. She was our first guest. You know, when they write the book on the Tony Kornheiser universe, whatever we call this, Mm -hmm. Claire's going to have a very important role in the book. Yeah, I mean, she's just kept so many people together. She's been a constant thread in the whole family. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was like... It's very rare we come across somebody who doesn't know who she is. Yeah. It's very rare. It happens, but it's very, very rare. Yeah. So (laughs) let's get real quick, because you said something at the end of the last segment real quick. You compared it, but you said it's hockey's nowhere near the baseball, basketball, and stuff like that. Why would you say that exactly? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it is the money that corrupts or the corruption that goes to the money. I don't know. I don't know what this is. But I'll tell you a story. So I got to know this guy named Todd Lewicki, and Todd Lewicki is known in NFL world. Professional football, he's known in hockey world. So, for instance, he was part of the group that started the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team. He was the CEO of the Seattle Seahawks football team, happened to be the CEO of the Seattle Seahawks in 2006 when the Pittsburgh Steelers beat them in the (laughs) Super Bowl. And he is now the head of the group that started up the Kraken, the new NHL team out Mm. in Seattle. Really, really cool guy. And we were talking once, and I just said, yeah, very different sports, obviously. And I said, what's the difference? He goes, here's the difference. He says, the NFL, with good reason, think about the salaries, think about the TV, everything. He goes, a lot of divas with huge entourages around them. He goes, now think about hockey. And he was talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning when he got them started. He goes, they'd have a great game on a Friday night. He goes, I went down to the locker room afterwards. He said, great job, guys. Congrats, those kinds of things. And the hockey players, these are professional players, would say, oh, that's how, you know, we're going out drinking tonight. Come on, come on with us, come with us. And he said to them, no, I can't. Um, my wife and I, we're moving houses tomorrow. I have got to be on board at dark 30 tomorrow morning to move. So, no, thanks, but no. And they all looked at each other and said, we'll be there. We'll, we'll help. And he goes, yeah, right. And <laughs> off they go. And they drink all night, and they show up one drunker than the next at dark 30 the next morning and help them move. And he says, that's the difference, right? Uh, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, they're not going to show up on a Saturday morning and help you move because they're good guys. they have the ego. <laughs> <laughs> just have an incredible ego. And maybe it will change. I hope it doesn't. It's just, it's different. And again, watching, uh, it's a while ago now, but watching the first game of the cap season this year when Ovechkin scores his goal, which put him ahead of the then current fifth all-time right. score. And that guy, and I apologize, I can't remember his name, they had pre-taped a nice message that they put up on the telescreen in which he was congratulating Ovechkin. But it was the nicest, most sincere, most mm. congratulatory thing you've ever seen in life. And the guy was in awe of what Ovechkin has done. And he capped it off by taking off whatever baseball cap he normally wore and put on a, a Washington Capitals cap. Oh, wow. And, right? There's an incredible respect. To dep- they will beat the crap out of each other. You know? <laughs> I love that part. That's her favorite part. That's all <laughs> she likes. <laughs> yeah. But they have enormous respect and appreciation for yeah. one another. And it's a fun game. You know what? Here's why we probably like it. It's why I like it so much. Because I have the attention span of a gnat. And hockey, pound for pound, minute for minute, there's more actual playing going on. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. the cliche, but it's not far off. But if you watch the Super Bowl... 
and you watch for three and a half, four hours, you've watched 11 minutes right. of playing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Right? It's insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And you watch hockey, and they are constantly going. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, but true. I just love it. Or I love it, just the people. People are great. Yeah. Lots of hockey talk on this episode. I like it. Yeah. It's very sporty. I, don't know. I might be, I might be the... becoming a hockey fan now. I might start. <laughs> We've never been. We've got yeah. a good I... Here's the other best thing. When you're going to a hockey game, you never, ever have to think ahead of time, what am I going to wear? That's true. You wear jeans. Yeah. You wear your sweater, your jersey, uh-huh. and you're good. Yeah. Right? And true. again, pound for pound, if you look around a um, Thursday night or a Sunday, look around a football stadium, and sure, there can be a fair number of people wearing jerseys, but not all of them. Yeah. Baseball stadium, the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey, everybody is wearing a jersey. Really? That's everybody. so neat. That's so fun. So... I have to say, Tori, I don't know if you realize this. Roxy and I just got married recently, mm-hmm. and we, I didn't know that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And Yay. so we didn't have time because it was our third attempt <laughs> with the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she was just finally like, "We're doing it," and we couldn't really do a real honeymoon. So we did like a little mini moon, and so we just decided to go to Vegas. She's never been to Vegas. Oh, so I was like, Vegas so, is great. So let's go to Vegas. Well, let me tell you. I could not believe we were there for the playoffs. Yeah. And oh my gosh, the Vegas night, the the people were nuts and we were staying right by the stadium and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And it was just amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, the energy was Energy, yeah. It was so cool. And I know they're a recent expansion team, but oh my gosh, it was just great. Yeah. But again, you couldn't do that in another professional sport. Right. You couldn't burst on the scene. Mm. and be that good and that successful that quickly. It just, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So maybe it's my anti-establishment vibe, <laughs> but um, isn't Vegas a great place to be for a few days? Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was exhausted from all the walking, and I consider myself a pretty good Because we live in New York we City. We live in New York. So we walk like, everywhere. Hello, but we, yeah. that was just like, I think, with the heat and everything. But honestly, I always thought New York was a great place to people watch. Vegas oh, is... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Vegas oh, is the Vegas, top. Yeah. Vegas is <laughs> the top top they for people watching shame. absolutely oh absolutely. It, the things we saw just well and she's never been incredible. there so that's the other <laughs> so it's like, incredible yeah. and crazy yeah <laughs> it was so fun yeah we had a thing with all three of our kids that when if and when they graduated from college one of us my husband <laughs> and i did you Brian say and I, if and when <laughs> yeah if and when sick we would take them they could go on a trip wherever they wanted mm-hmm. right so for instance colin the oldest one he and i went to australia for two weeks those kinds cool. of things oh nice I can't remember. I mean, Devin. It's embarrassing. I can't remember where. But anyways, Charlie, our youngest, says, I want to go to Vegas. Like, okay. <laughs> and he says, I want to take my friend Elliot. And I said, because I'm not fun enough? Exactly. But anyways, Aww. we went to Vegas for about four days. But it was great because the routine, to your point, Roxy, about people watching, the routine was, it was interesting. They weren't as into as gambling as much as I thought they would be. But we had shows to see. We had, mm-hmm. we went to the sports book. We did that whole kind of thing, whatever. And I would say, okay, and we're going to go to some fabulous dinner at 8 or 9 o'clock for a couple of hours, and then I will respectfully go back to my room, and you two will go out all night. And it's a, this whole thing about these clubs that people go to. So they would stay out till 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, so they're shockingly not ready to hit the breakfast buffet with me. But I would go out on those main drags, because I, I get up early, and I would just sit there with a cup of coffee in my hand and just watch those yeah. people go by. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Are you Every, coming or going? You know, that's, right. oh, that, that was, was her my, other thing. Yeah. yeah. Are you coming seeing, home to go to bed? Seeing or the you... people still sitting at the bar or just sitting at well, the bar. One of the mornings we got up yeah. super early because we, we, we'd never been to the Grand Canyon. So yeah. we're like, we're going to the Grand Canyon. We're going to do one of those day trips. And so nice. we literally had to catch a bus at like five, five thirty in the morning. Yeah. And we saw people sitting at a bar that was open and, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Have they oh, been yeah. there all night or did it just open and they're just there now? <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't know. <laughs> I, think, I think an amazing number of people. It's all night. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was always horrified and I, I'd walk through the, you know, you can't get anywhere without going through a casino. Right. right. Of course, yeah. And you'd see these people sitting at the slot machines of all things Yeah. at say 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And then I'd roll through at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. They're still there. They're still there. It's like, please, you must move. You right. Must yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Really. All right. Well, Tori, let's move on real quick because we have to get okay. to this. This is the, the well, most important part of the interview, I think, is we want to hear all about your podcast. Okay. So now we. Oh, uh, you're so nice. The, I mean, well, I mean, the littles know about. I mean, you saved me, and I'll tell you why. Now, first of all, chatter on books. I think almost all the littles must know that, but just in case. And so, uh, Dig into this. How did this yeah. become? How did you come up with the idea? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. No, thank you. Thank you very much for asking about Chatter and Books. So two things. One, a thousand years ago, I did the usual talking head nonsense on CNN, which they pay exorbitant right. sums of money to say stupid things <laughs> that nobody ever remembers. <laughs> and anyways, I had gotten bored doing that. And I went to the heads of CNN and I said, I got to do something different. And I pitched them on two ideas of shows, of kind of public affairs shows. Mm -hmm. And my one idea was a show. This was in 2006, maybe, 2006, 2007. And my one idea for a show was a public affairs show on race. Mm. And I said, you have a black host and a white host. And every single day, there was something going on in the world. It might be sports. It might be business. It might be education. But there's something going on in which there's a race element. And so address it through the prism of race. And they looked at me and said, no, nobody cares about that. It's like, wow, okay. And so then I said, all right, I think you could do a really fun show on books. And they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and I said, books? We're TV. Why books? And I said, look, books don't have to be tragic, you know, like going to a book reading at your local independent bookstore in which some woman in a cat sweater bores you with her description of the book. I said, this can be, it can be really fun. And I said, swear to God, literally, I said, you take the best of PTI which is, was and continues to be a rock star in the sports world, right? Mm -hmm. Public affairs programming. Sure. And Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is a great then radio show, now podcast on NPR. And I said, you apply it to books. And I said, there, you, any issue that happens on any given day, there is something going on that can be addressed or described or explained via books. And I had a, a thousand different ideas. And to their credit, they gave me this kick-ass producer and said, okay, do a pilot. And they spent a, a lot of money on it. We did this kick-ass pilot. It had man-on-the-street interviews in Times Square talking about the latest release of Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. We went to James Carville and Mary Madeline's house in Old Town, and they talked about a kid's book James had just come out with. We had a countdown clock just like PTI. It was spectacular. And they really liked it. And the guy who was helping produce it, unfortunately, got walked away from CNN in what we would now call a hashtag MeToo situation. Oh. And so the show never went anywhere. I completely understand these things. But I never lost track of the idea. And I always thought to myself, there are so many different, not to be melodramatic, but there are so many topics, there are so many issues. There's so many things that we can and probably should be talking about in yeah. life these days. And books are a great platform from which to do it. And I use the word safe carefully because it sounds lame and it sounds chicken, but 
it's a safe place from which to discuss some of those things. Sure. And so then fast forward to our friend, Tony Kornheiser, um, and this shows you how smart I am about 10 years ago, because I'm so smart. I would say to Tony, look, pal, I love you. I think you're great. PTI is great, but you know, it's TV pal. And they're not going to let you stay on for a whole lot longer. And so you need to th be, th thank you for laughing at me. Luke. I said, you well, need to I mean, I would not dis disagreeing with you, but I just think Stop. it's to see where they are. Stop. It's so cute. It's so naive. And I said, so you need to be thinking about the next chapter. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I gave him the Merv Griffin example. Now, most people listening to this podcast will not even know who Merv Griffin is. But Merv Griffin was, was and it. even in yeah. death, is one of the most successful producers of a multiple different kinds of shows. Mm -hmm. He had a certain amount of talent. He was in some movies. He had a very successful variety show, those kinds of things. Yeah. And most people thought that's what he'd continue to do. And he says, no, no, no. And he started to produce really, really successful game shows, mm -hmm. sitcoms, all these kinds of things, billions with a B. Mm -hmm. I said, you should become the Merv Griffin of radio and these things called podcasts. And as you guys know, and everyone listening to this knows, Tony is not, he's, he's a very conservative guy, small C. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And then everything's iterative. He and the knuckleheads buy the restaurant. Chatter. <laughs> you guys can stop laughing anytime now. <laughs> I just love it. Right? And where most people would look at that and go, oh my God, what are they doing? They know nothing about restaurants, mm -hmm. etc." I said, this is it. I heard Hosanna's from heaven. I said, this is it because that's going to be the base from which we have Tony Kornheiser productions. Mm. And it's going to be the Tony Kornheiser show. It's going to be chatter on books. It's going to be chatter on law. It's going yeah, to be chatter, chatter on anything. Yeah. Yep. anything, right? Shockingly, it didn't happen. Yeah. And so almost as a dare, almost as a, not, not almost, as a dare, I just said, okay, enough of you guys. I am doing Chatter on Books. And so we started Chatter on Books in the restaurant at the corner mm -hmm. of Jennifer and Wisconsin Avenues, Northwest, and unabashedly said, we're stealing the best of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and PTI, and we're using books as a great hook to talk about all sorts of things in life, in news, in life, you name it. And most authors, most people who have worked incredibly hard, because you have to work incredibly hard to write any kind of book, good, bad, and in between, are really eager to talk about it. So we were blessed that people really wanted to be on the show and want to talk about their books. And mm. we've had some incredible guests. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, it was really fun to be in chatter, and the you can't beat the physical vibe, right? right. You can't beat yeah. having real people there and sticking your head out of the window and asking people for questions. You just can't beat it. Hmm. And have an office right there and have Gene there and David and Michael, right? You can't beat it. And then the restaurant closed. Yeah. Like, wow, okay. So for a while, we kind of considered looking around at other restaurants and bars and things like that, and, and plenty of them said, yeah, come do it, you know, whenever you want. But before the pandemic, for, gosh, probably 20 shows, we did it from the dining room of our house, the a front room in our house, which is not far from Chatter the Restaurant. And again, it was hard. You're limited to the number of people you could physically get in person, but that was more than compensated for the great vibe and the shtick you would get with having them there. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And the downside was we couldn't do it in person. The upside was you can get people from all over the world. You, yeah. you yeah. get people from Australia, right? Yeah. Yep. So the upside is we've been able to get authors from around the world, which has been great. And it's just one of those things. I'm lucky to do it. I love doing it. 
and we've had some really great conversations and fun, and it's been fabulous. So, again, I wish Tony had started Tony Kornheiser Productions, but mm. I'm just so grateful. He's been a big fan and supporter. I'm grateful that we got the start because of him. Well, we are too. I mean, it's like I said, it's a lot of fun. And I've the couple recent ones that I'm just like, wow. And I'm actually now starting to get into the books. You know what I mean? Which, That's like, I, right. I totally admitted to you in the beginning, it was to hear the voices. I didn't care right. what you all were talking about. You know, it's just right. the voices I was used to. There's no Tony on today, but oh, here's chatter on books, yeah. Yeah. you know, kind of yeah. thing. So that was kind of selfish on my part, but I, you know, I have, I've gotten into it and I'm so embarrassed to admit this. I just realized you had Facebook pages. So everyone out there, make sure you, you join, you like all their Facebook pages and stuff like that. And if you aren't subscribing, you should be right. Yes. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Well, it's the least we can do. Come on. I mean, this has been amazing. Now we are so running long. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's our hundredth episode. We can do whatever the hell we want. Exactly. And, and um, but most uh, littles know that we pride ourselves on our fun, dumb questions. Now, I, Go I don't know if you're prepared for these, but we, we hope you'll... Ready. you'll uh... All right, Roxy, you start us off. Oh, boy. Pressure's on. <laughs> uh, if you could host a game show, what would it be? Jeopardy, but I'm not smart enough. Well, that's okay. You're the host. You know all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would it be? Eeyore doesn't count as a a cartoon sure, character. Yeah, I mean? should think so. Eeyore. Eeyore. Aww. Eeyore's seen it all, man. Eeyore's an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> right. Eeyore. Oh, that's Eeyore. great. All right. Here's another one. Which TV family is most like your own? There is absolutely no family. I mean, my, my family, as in my husband and my three children, are the family I grew up with. Oh. I guess either. I was, I was talking about your husband You're and children. Current. but yeah. Husband and children. Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I thought it'd be a fun one because we've heard so much about them over the years on the podcast. That yeah. like, Arrested Development, absolutely. That's a good one. Or Shit's Creek. Take your pick. Ah. Roxy has not seen that yet, and I'm not totally finished with it, but I've seen quite a few episodes. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. Okay, so I guess maybe going a little serious. Uh -huh. What is your favorite childhood book? Aesop's Fables. Oh. oh. That's a good one. Because I was the black sheep in my family and they immediately rejected me because I was not academically or, or athletically or musically talented, they pretty much kind of abandoned me. But somebody, I'm sure it wasn't given to me, but it was in the house. It was this beautiful, beautifully illustrated book of Aesop's fables. <laughs> that was my educational, emotional, academic grounding. Wow. Gotcha. All right. What personal trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Oh, total smartass. <laughs> Many, many times over. <laughs> what would you do if you were invisible for a day? Ooh. Oh, I love that one. Oh, I do what I did today. So okay. it would be difficult, but if you're invisible, I guess you could make this happen. Lots of different drive throughs Might be a Starbucks, might be a Chick-fil-A, might be a McDonald's, whatever. I would pay it forward for multiple numbers of people. Oh, that's, that's really nice. That's really nice. <laughs> Paying forward is fun until someone, as happened literally this morning, chases you down on the highway to thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. It's old dark 30, it, it, literally 545 in the morning. I won't even say where it was, but it's pitch black out, and I paid it forward for the person behind me, which was great. And I get on the highway, minding my own business, trying to drink my latte, and the person wants to chase me down on the highway, <laughs> flashing their lights. It wasn't oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Wow. I'd be terrified. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've done that a few times if I'm like in a bar with like yes. Yankee fans 
Totally. <laughs> and totally. it was funny. Actually, one time I was in Philly. I was on tour. So I was doing a show there. I was on my dinner break. And I guess it was Yankee Sox. So I went to a bar and there were Yankee fans there. And we just, of course, start, you know, they saw my hat, you know, we just start sure. talking. And they were like, and the one guy goes, he goes, Jesus, he goes, you know, Philadelphia would be the last place I ever thought I would have gotten into it with a Red Sox fan <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so I had my waiter. I said, get their check. I'm buying their, nice. their round. And I said, but you have to make sure you tell them, see, not all Red Sox fans are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, well, Tori, we have to cut this at some point. I mean, at it's, some point, at some, at some point. point, this is just. We're so thankful. Now, obviously, chatter on books, but is there anything else we can plug for you? Uh, you're on Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, on Twitter, we're DC Books Chatter. On everything else, we're Chatter on Books. Follow us, subscribe us, send us insults. We love it. Send us <laughs> ideas. No, we have found some really interesting authors that would not have come across our radar screen if it weren't for listeners letting us know. So right, please I listen, that. even if you listen for five seconds and then go listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. We love doing it. Yeah. And thanks you guys so much for letting me be on the show. Well, we appreciate the time for sure. It's hard to say goodbye. You're so easy to talk to. We really appreciate it. Anytime. If some other quasi medium sized big doesn't show up, let me know. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye guys. Take care. All right. All you loyal listeners. We'll be right back. You're listening to the loyal littles podcast. The only podcast where you can hear Pat Ford talk about racehorses. And now, back to Choxy. All right. Now, Choxy, really? I think that's cute. It's, it's adorable, but, I mean, come on. What, what are we doing to deserve these great bumpers now with first Sully and now this? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't call them great. Well, but speaking of great, we're it's, back. It's time. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast because it is now time for five great minutes, our 100th episode edition. Yep. Please welcome to the podcast our very first Loyal Littles podcast guest, Claire Natola. Hey, Claire. Hi. How are you? We're Good. great now. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, so thank you for oh, agreeing to do this. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. No, this meant a lot to us because as I've said many times on the podcast, you were such a big help getting this off the ground, not saying we're complete crazy idiots and saying, oh, we should do this. I might have thought about it. I was just going to (laughs) say. Well, at least you didn't say it. I'm sure we'll get a bumper next week from you, you, though. (laughs) Crazy recognizes crazy. So, Uh, yeah, that's true. It's true. So how are you doing now? I know there's so many questions we need to ask. But you have this acting career now that we want to hear all oh, about. No. <laughs> if I you do, can talk I about do it. I have an acting career. <laughs> so, so many of you may know that I work as an independent contractor. I do freelancing of editing, proofreading, project coordination. Basically, if you're willing to pay me for it, I'm willing to do it within reason <laughs> and within the law. And within um, the law, right. <laughs> And my very first client when I became a freelancer is a film and video producer based in Wilmington, Delaware. And I mostly just do administrative projects for him. But he is actually filming something, an an actual feature-length film. But it is the first time that he's directed a full-length film since I've been doing projects for him. And he asked me if I would be the production manager on it. So I have actually filled in on camera 
a couple of times when he needed warm bodies. So I have played a bar owner with four or five lines. And then I have played a nurse in an ER with no lines. So believe me, it's not an acting career. <laughs> well, so well, we're glad that's going well. Now, is this something we can all see eventually? Or are these I like local? Have, I have absolutely no idea okay. if it will ever be seen by a single soul. <laughs> Okay. That's really exciting. Uh, honestly, though. I mean, but, I, but you'll let it, us yeah. know if it is available to be seen. I will let you. Oh, because know. you know the littles will find it. So don't don't even try to like you know. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not. I'm trying to hide it. I'm just trying to manage expectations. Right. <laughs> this is not Hollywood, <laughs> folks. Okay. This is not Hollywood. <laughs> so this you said you, you said you were sort of filling in to be a warm body. Does that mean that if this goes through, that you would be that character or they weren't there that day, whoever was playing them. So you filled in, you, no, know, I, you stepped no, in so I, they could block stuff. Be, no, I would be that character. So one nice. of my tasks is to create what's called a call sheet for every day of filming. Mm -hmm. Sure. And that lists where are we filming? Which scenes are we filming? Which cast members are in those scenes? Right. What do we need for props? What do we need for wardrobe? And those go out prior to each day of filming. And so I sent out the call sheet for this particular day of filming, and it said that TBD was playing the bar owner. I said to the director, I said, dude, you haven't even hired anybody yet to play the bar owner. <laughs> You're filming this in 36 hours. Yeah. Do you want me to do it? And he said, oh. And so he just totally rewrote it to be a female character instead of a male character. Nice. So I'm now Molly Muggs. Molly Muggs, nice. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. So I threw in my best Boston accent and did it up as best I could. So. Well, and, you know, I think that's the most important part of this whole thing is, you know, you're going to want to know, are there residuals involved? <laughs> you know, that's going to be, that's the key. I did get parking on the set, so it was all oh, good. good. Oh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I that's mean, so funny. That happened to me once where the person just didn't show up and they needed to block mm -hmm. the scene. This was actually in high school and the show was The Wiz and I had to fill in for Glinda because they needed to block the scene for everybody else. And she mm -hmm. has two songs. I stumbled through both of them. I did the, mm -hmm. the scene and they were like, okay, she's out, you're in. So it's kind of cool, even for you who you wouldn't consider yourself an actress or that's not your career, but you were just kind of in the right place at the right time and these things kind of just happened. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. exciting. All right. So real quick, and I think you'll appreciate this because we got another email for today's episode and I saved it for this because okay. for those of you that don't know, Claire is very nice when she will graciously text me, email me, whatever. And most times it's, don't put that on the air, but they're corrections. Yeah. She'll do a lot of corrections, yeah. which is great. Starting with our form way back when, which was great. <laughs> and this says, this is from Andy Schatz from Hagerstown, Maryland. And this is a, a newbie. We don't. We've never heard of him. This is yeah. two episodes. Hi, Andy. This is two episodes in a row where we're like, yeah. "Who are you?" Okay. Yeah. He says, "As an editor, I appreciate attention to detail and wanting to correct the record." Mr. Tony was out of his element when he tried to phonetically pronounce the name of the high school in Clifton Park, New York. In oh his, my God! Yeah. Yeah. In, <laughs> in his correction, Chuck was closer than Tony, but not quite right either. He was missing oh. a syllable. Now I don't know. We're genau get into this in a second. The name looks like Shenandoah, four syllables, mm -hmm. Shenandoah, mm -hmm. but it actually has five syllables, Shenandoah. Mm -hmm. The accent is on the second syllable. There's an audio pronunciation online if you Google it. Better yet, do what locals do in the Capital District, shorten it to Shen, okay? That's now, cheating. Roxy mm -hmm. thinks that's cheating. Now, <laughs> I'm just going to finish this off real quick. Also, here's a helpful image to settle the debate of over 
versus under. Now, I'm going to stop right there. No, 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 no. We're not doing... Andy, come on the show. show. You got to meet the littles. Then we'll find out about this over under debate. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not giving that away. So, Andy, we don't know who you are, but we would love to meet you. So, yeah. All right. So, Claire, now, did you hear that episode? Do you know what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Now, did you know how to pronounce this? You mean Shenandoah? Yeah. Well, Shenandoah or whatever. Shenandoah. Shenandoah. Right. Well, when Tony said it, I thought. (laughs) You cringed. I knew. I well, I mean, I cringed, but I thought he has to know the word Shenandoah. So there's got to be something about that particular version of it right. that's different than Shenandoah. But I didn't know what that was. Yeah. But so I you were kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I also thought it could not be as insane as what he said. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And I thought, look, I've heard it on newscasts because I grew up in the Albany district as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure, I mean, we played them in sports and everything. So I'm going to give Andy the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it's like a... Oh, Andy must know. Yeah, yes. I'm not going to say it's a tomato-tomato thing on this. But thank you for the email. Thank you for the yeah. correction. Come and meet us. Yeah, come and meet us. I'm glad uh, Claire was here to witness that as another editor. That was kind of fun. <laughs> All right, Claire. Well, we are already way past our five great minutes but we might have had five great minutes and <laughs> 72 mediocre. That's what I was going to say. Now we can have five <laughs> mediocre minutes, but 72 is great too. But we have to get into this grilling toasting thing that you brought up. Well, here's the thing. You, people were writing in or you were talking about, I just kept hearing the phrase butter it and then toast it. And to me, that just sounds so wrong because I feel like, that's a fire waiting to happen. <laughs> to me, when you butter something and then toast it, you are taking something with a liquid substance on it or semi-liquid substance on it and putting it into an electrical appliance, mm-hmm. such as a toaster. Oh. I think what you're talking about is grilling. Grilling and toasting are two completely different things. Okay. Can I come at you for 10 <laughs> oh, <no>. seconds? <laughs> come at me. Well, I'm not going to come at you really, but well, no, no, only because since I've met Roxy, I grew up with a toaster. Okay. We do not have a yeah. toaster now. No, we have yeah. a toaster oven. We have a toaster oven. I grew up with a toaster yeah. oven. Okay. I think we had a toaster as well. Right. But, but my, we used the toaster oven. But my point is mm-hmm. putting bread in a toaster oven, I do say I'm toasting it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I do All think, right. and I don't well, think you're that's pressing the toast. Right. Button. Right. Well, I also what I'm trying. No, because I agree with her about the whole starting the fire thing. Yeah. But with a toaster oven, I feel like it's obviously safer than a toaster. Yes. Right. That's yes. all I. I shouldn't yes. have said come I mean, out. Okay. It can be, but now well, we're gonna. I'm gonna get into a whole nother topic. But when I put a sweet potato in the oven, at the toaster oven, and I put it on bake. You're baking um, it. I'm mm-hmm. baking it in yeah, the toaster oven, mm-hmm. but it always drips. Yes. And That's true. I'm See? constantly having, yeah, yeah, I constantly have to clean the bottom every time I make a sweet potato, potato. or any pie. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I could see maybe okay. where the butter could also, I mean, depending on how you put it on the bread, it could, true. or how much you put on the bread, it could right. fall off the side and then. One okay. must be careful. Yes. Indeed. One must Fair be enough. careful. Yes. Fair okay. Enough. Okay. I was just a bit concerned that we were getting into an area of people talking about spreading butter on bread and putting it on a pan and calling it toasted, which in gotcha. a sense it is, but that's, to me, that's grilling. There can be regional variations. I get it. But 
I I was just thinking frying in a pan was what we were talking about, which was which is not what I consider toasting. I consider that grilling. But I know Claire, I'm with you on that. Totally with you on that. I just didn't want us to encourage people to put butter on a slice of bread and then put it in a traditional pop-up toaster. Yes. Kids, do not try this at home. (laughs) Yes, do not try this. Could you turn it on its side? No. Oh, what? (laughs) No, but also I have an issue too. The butter just came out of the fridge and the bread is cold or room temperature. There's no way you can spread butter on that. So I have a problem with that. To me, every time I've tried to do that, the bread gets mangled and that's Mm -hmm. not what you want. So anyone who does that, I think you're crazy. Like the over under debate. (laughs) Well, so here's a potential replacement for the over under debate. If Andy ends up settling the over under Uh debate and that would be butter in the fridge or left out of the fridge. That's a good one. We're going to leave that as a cliffhanger. I already have my thoughts. (laughs) We're going to leave that as a cliffhanger for episode 101, I think. (laughs) Congratulations on your 100th episode. Thank you. Claire, couldn't have done it without you. Yeah. Mean that from the bottom of our heart. I know you don't probably feel like you do that much with us, but we just criticize. That's all I do. (laughs) You make us better. You make us better. And that's what counts. So we really appreciate it. I'm going to go race horsing now. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) <laughs> Love you, mean it. Thank you so much <laughs> All right, for being a part guys. of this episode. All right. Thanks, Claire. Okay. All right, Roxy. How great is that? So great. I mean, finishing the way we started, I guess is how yeah, I say. Yeah, these first but, hundred. Yeah. But we're, yeah, I was going to say, but we're not finished. No, we're not. So, And I, we have to get out of here. We're way over time, but it's our hundredth. So we're going a little long. Yeah. But I cannot even begin to think about ending our hundredth episode without saying thank you. Oh, to me? To you. Oh, why? Are you kidding me? You've been by my side through this whole thing. I dragged you into this. I mean, it is your fault, but I dragged you into it. And I don't think there's maybe twice in the last year you've said, no, I can't do that. Or no, I can't record that at that time. I mean, I've definitely had moments where, is this going to (laughs) work? Are you sure? I mean, especially in the last month when you've been in rehearsals and now I'm going into rehearsals and you're going into performances. And so no, this has been such a such a happy surprise. I didn't know what to expect coming into this, but I think I've said it before. I mean, I can't believe the people that we're meeting and how incredible you all are, all you littles like you all have a story to tell. And it's always an interesting story. You're wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm so grateful to you, Chuck, for pulling me on to this project and, well, and I'm opening just my eyes to the littles world. I'm going to say it. I told you so. Yeah, you did. All right, Roxy, <laughs> we got to get out of here. Tell everyone how they can get in touch with us to start our next 100 episodes. You can email us at WTFCPodNet at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget about our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget to run on over to Apple and iTunes and give us a nice rate and review over there. Before we do head out, we do have to say another quick thank you to all our co-hosts. Yeah. We're calling them third wheels now. <laughs> uh, they started out as just the, co-host and then, then the third chair, third chair but that was already, you know, so the third wheel. They're the third wheel. So we just want to thank all of them. There's too many to mention right now here along the first hundred episodes and who knows who we're going to have on for the next hundred. That's all we can say. Stick so. around. And finally, we can't leave this episode without saying one more time. Thank you, Tori Clark, for making our 100th episode complete. We really, really appreciate it. And we also want to thank Tony Beeson, Bob Sproul and David Patton for our bumpers. But the important thing is, Roxy, to remember, actually, Roxy, say it with me. If If you're you're out shopping shopping online tonight, tonight, use the code, people!
stop this taping and start again with a psychiatrist on board. Here goes the line.
The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.